I, I want to I thank Mike. Um, and I want you to turn in your Bible to a well-known passage as introduction to Second Chronicles. And you know where. I want to also thank you all for your uh, generosity from the honorarium for speaking. £43,821. It's the best offering I've ever received as a guest preacher. That's phenomenal. I, I thank you for that. I shall, I shall send you a postcard from my yacht in Spain while I listen to all your worship CD rapping. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute privilege to be with you and uh, a, a real honor. I... I want to say as a prerequisite to the message, I have a, a real sense that you as a movement are on the edge of something. I don't want to say it cliched because preachers do that to try and get you into a position of motivated for. No, listen, I really sense in my spirit that you are on the edge of something, something incredible, something new, something fresh. A lot of that's going to be birthed by prayer, coming before God and a sense of renewal and a sense of fresh insights that God's going to give clearer and clarity on, on revelation, things. I just sense in my spirit that God is doing something and, and the unfolding of that will, will not be fully known until the months and probably the, the years ahead. I want to encourage you today. If you are a pastor, pastor in a church, I honor you. I thank God for you. If you're a pastor in a small congregation, I thank God for you. There's no such thing as a small congregation because we're one church in many locations. You are an awesome church. We are all a mega church. I mean, we're not, we're more than a mega church. I don't know what the word is for bigger than a mega church, but we are. It's huge. And I want to honor you, I want to thank you. Do you know why? I know the price and the cost you have to pay to be a local church pastor. And I know the stuff that comes with it. I know the heartaches. I know the pains. I know the frustrations. And I publicly want to thank God for you. Because what you do to bring the gospel to the broken world is an incredible responsibility. And you should be honored for doing so. We don't do it enough in our circles. But we need to honor pastors and leaders alike that do that. So thank you very much. I, I sense that you're on the edge of something great and Many movements through many times in history have been on edges, but for some reason they've, they've lost the edge and come away. Living on the edge is a very dangerous place and there's not many people on the edge with you. They're all, they're all in the middle part of the ground. They're all back there because they don't like it here, but because it's, it can be dangerous here. But what they don't see is what you see from the edge. And what you can see from the edge is incredible. You see the, the possibilities. You see the landscape. You can see things and you think, wow, this could be. This just could be. What could th this could be? They don't see it. Because, you see, they're, they're, they're in that. They're, they're, they are where it's very crowded. There's lots of people in that area. But... When God calls a, a, a people or a movement to an edge, he called his people, as we've read about this morning as Steph brought that to us from Exodus, that God was leading his people to a land. And he brought them to the edge. And they looked in. And as you know, they sent men into the land to, in Scripture's words, to spy out this land. 
And the interesting concept, which I want to try, and it's a myth really in the church, is this, is that when they came back, they said, we see ourselves as grasshoppers in their eyes. We see ourselves as grasshoppers in their eyes. The problem with those leaders was how they saw themselves. And they saw themselves as grasshoppers. All they had to do is take a look in a mirror and realize that they were not grasshoppers. But for some reason, they thought they were grasshoppers. Now, the reason why they thought they were grasshoppers was not because of who they were, but because of what they saw. Because the scriptures say, we saw giants in the land. We saw giants in the land. So they came back, they brought this report to Moses. And I, I, I love the spirit of Joshua and Caleb who said, of Caleb there's a different spirit. This man is different. He is different. You know, you, you know some people are different in the Christian church and, and, and God calls, they're normally mavericks. There's something unusual about them. They're, they're controversial. They're not everyone's marmite. And they are loved or loved or they're, they're, they're whatever. They're, they're, because God, God doesn't have a, an individual man or woman that he shapes and calls. A, and it's kind of like a mold that everyone fits into. God needs more mavericks in the church. People who are not afraid. To go to an edge and say, you know what? We can do this. Oh, hang on a minute. We've got to have a committee meeting. You have the committee meeting. I'm doing it. <laughs> now, I know you've got the impression I don't like committee meetings. And, I, and I, I'm not accountable. I am. We, we have board meetings and, and stuff like that. And that's exactly what they are. Board <laughs> meetings. Because, you see... Like some of you, I've been to an edge of what God can do. And I, I've seen what God can do. And when you've seen what God can do, the, nothing else satisfies it. You can't go back to that. You, you've been affected, disinfected. Something has happened to you that you can't go back. The fire of God, once, once you've been in it, I, I, I've said it at the conference, uh, the seminar. When you've been burnt by fire, smoke is never enough. And I can't go back to doing church the way that I used to. What does that look like? How does this fit into a revival reaching a broken world? We were a good church. We were a growing church. But something shifted the moment that we got our eyes off ourselves and started to see what God was wanting to do. And when we began to speak and to look and to confess what it was God wanted to do and got our eyes off ourselves, we didn't see ourselves as grasshoppers. We saw ourselves as roaring lions. Welsh ones. There aren't any Welsh lions unless you go to Bristol Zoo. And that's why they've been imported. Anyway, so. And, and we, we recognize this, that if it, is pos- if it be possible, God, that you can take a church and set your fire in that church with those people, 
And that fire would be so strong that it wouldn't just attract the Christians, but people who have no concept of God whatsoever. Let me give you a little insight into the revival we experienced. God and the Holy Spirit was more concerned about sinners than he was with saints. He wasn't interested in our theology. He wasn't interested in the way we did things. We were interested in process. I'll give you an example. Hundreds of people at the front on an altar call. Most of them, if not all of them, non-Christians. When praying for them, getting filled with the Spirit, experiencing the Holy Spirit, going down in the Spirit, whatever you want to call it, you know, falling up, falling back, falling sideways, I don't care. It's like a bath or a shower. You either stand up or lie down. Makes no difference, you're going to get wet. And then they get up off the floor and say, what was that? That was the Holy Spirit. Do you know Jesus? No. But I want to know him now. Pray for them. Become Christians. Now watch this. Now, some of my pastors had a problem with that. Because they hadn't gone through the process. You have to be saved first. Before you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And we, we have tried to process revival. Let me tell you, you cannot process revival. It's impossible. You'll start to think about how it works and then God will come and do something completely different. All of my theology was messed up during the revival. Now I've talked yesterday, the other week, yesterday, the other week last night, yesterday, wherever I was, I don't know where I'm going. I talked about, I talked about the personal cost and the, the pain I went through. I don't want to talk about that today. What I want to talk about is the church. How it affects the church and how the f- church affects the world. Because that's what this is about. Let me tell you about this. Now, <clears throat> it will mess up your church. It will mess up your program, your run sheet, your order of services. All the stuff that we think this is church will be obliterated. If you start to do this in a revival, it's not too long before you end up leaving the church. Because you, you can't. There is no sense of time. There, there, is no, there is no, now we come to the benediction, may the blessing of God, the Father, Son. We said goodbye to Benedict years ago. <laughs> Benedict has left the building. How can you close a move of God? How do you say, well, I understand, you know, now traveling mercies, God bless you, as you, we do all that. But when God moves, you can't put a finite, you can't put a, a finality on it. You can't put a time on it and say, right, God's finished now. Go home and enjoy your chicken dinner. What if the Holy Spirit started doing things in your church that was so unusual that it freaked you out that you thought, you know what, I used to preach against this and it's now happening in my church. Some of you here, I've seen you, I've walked through the crowd, you're, 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 you're what I call the, 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 um, um, the pulse of the Holy Spirit. I'll explain. You, you've got this thing where you, you get those spirit and you twitch like this. It doesn't happen to me. It happens to some of you. Don't, I, I've seen you. And, I, and that's cool. That's good. I think it's amazing. I don't know what's going on with you, but I think it's amazing. 
I never understood any of this. Now I'm Pentecostal, so we have tongues, interpretations, people slain in the spirit, baptizing the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, send them out, preach the gospel, that's it. I wasn't used to what I was about to experience in my church when revival broke out. When people were doing things in the meetings that I'd never seen in my life before. Some of the manifestations that I saw, I thought to myself, this is, this is not right. Because it messed with my theology. Because my theology was, there was a process. This is the process. And God says, there is no process. I'm here now. And anything's going to happen. And it's going to go mental. There's going to be glory bombs falling everywhere. There's going to be people running around screaming, shouting, dancing, collapsing, falling. We people get dressed up in fancy dress coming to the revival meeting. I am not kidding. And I am not kidding you. I've seen people who thought they could dance, who clearly couldn't dance, try to dance, like Ollie. And it was... Shabba. <laughs> we had people scream, holler. And do you know what was amazing? All the things we think we shouldn't do because it puts the sinners off. Because it, it's not very, uh, what's the word? It's not very you know, relevant, you know, because it's kind of, it might freak them out. The freakier the meetings, the more people got saved. <laughs> if you're translating, I apologize. I Speak fast if you translate. Anyway, so. But isn't that unusual? Because we had given, we had, we had given control to the Holy Spirit. And what that looks like is this, is that you've just got to let the people go. When they want to worship, let them worship. I mean, we, we had people singing also in, in the meeting. One lady would start singing, fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord, till it's overflowing. I never clue who she was. She was in the all, and she and everyone just joined in with her. Fill my cup, Lord, and the congregation would just it just start singing. And in the middle of preaching, before you got to the altar call, it was all wrong because you'd start preaching and people were running down to the altar to fall on their knees before you got to the end of your sermon. <laughs> this isn't right. This process. Spent all week preparing his sermon. And then sometimes you turn up with your sermon and God will say, right, you're not going to share that. Now you can put it in the bin and you spend weeks on it. The sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is pivotal for a move of His Spirit in our churches. The sensitivity to the Spirit is of the utmost importance. We don't talk enough about it, but it is so important. There are waves, there are movements. You know the Spirit is saying stuff. Some people will hijack. They'll jump in. They say, I've got a word, or I want to do this, and it's not in the Spirit. But it's okay, it's good and it's nice, and it's, but it's not in the spirit. And the, the spirit, you can feel, the, the glory is, is touched and it's like, this is mine, don't touch this. That's why many of you, some of you visited after the outpouring began, you came to our church and, and, and we weren't even there. It's the only revival I supposed to have started and I wasn't there. I wasn't there because it wasn't me. 
People came from thousands of miles because they said, oh, where's Pastor Richard? He's not here. Where is he? He's at home. What? I've come all this way for a revival and he's at home. Yeah, because you've come with the wrong reason. You've come to look at a man. John the Baptist says, you came out to the wilderness. What did you come and see? Because there's one who's coming after me whose shoes I'm not even. This is the one. He's the one we've come to worship. He's the one we've come to meet with. He's the one we've come to adore. He's the one we've come to applaud. He's the one we've come to give credit to. He is the one. And besides him, God will not share his glory with anyone. Anyone. And the issue sometimes pivotal is the sense of the spirit. But also it's this. Is if we are in a place where we are looking to seek some kind of credit for what God wants to do. His glory will not come. His glory is, he is jealous over his glory. There is no place for flesh in his glory. None. It's hard to say this is. None. And you think that reaching the broken world to bring something of redemption, reconciliation... With what we do and we work hard and we must keep working and praying, working and praying, working and praying. But when the glory of God comes, it will demand of us not just our schedules, our running of the services. It will demand your life. Everything. You can't place your Christian leadership and experience in a pseudo community and say well that's what I do there and this is me here there is no separation none at all walking in his glory walking in his parents presence hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit every day speaking to you about everyday things and everyday people constant and sensitive to his spirit let me tell you a little bit which will come into the second chronicles I guess Sam 14 we're going to look at in a moment, is this. During the 1904 Welsh Revival, which I obviously a very keen student of, I was, uh, my, the town I'm from was just on the road from Lucha, which is where Evan Roberts was an instrument that God used to bring revival to Wales that went to Azuzu Street and spread around the world, as you know. But there were many other revivals before that, but that one in particular is near to me because it's, it's where I'm from, the same area in Wales. And when you read about what God did, when, when Evan went to his friend and says, is it too much of a thing to ask God to give me 150,000 souls here in Wales? Within 12 months, 150 people were converted to Jesus Christ in the Welsh Valleys. Police stations were closed. Courts were closed. There was no crimes to try. The miners were walking out with coal dust running down their face with tears, falling on their knees and crying out in repentance to God to forgive them of their sin. Why? Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And churches were aware of this. Each chapel and every church, if you drive down Wales Street to any street, you'll see four or five chapels that will seat 600 to 1,000 people. They're empty today. Many of them are. But back then, in, in, the, in 1904, 1905 and 1906, they were packed with people. But this is interesting. Some say that the Welsh Revival was a revival of preaching. There was very little preaching in the Welsh Revival. 
Oh, we've got to preach the word. Says who? Well, the Bible says. God says. I, I know. Calm down. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to change the, the shape of this thing. We're not more word. I'm not going to go down the, 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 the word and spirit camp and all that stuff. No, stuff that. I've got time for that. I'm talking about, I, I do say it as it is, have you noticed? Anyway, so it's just a Welsh thing. It, it, it's being sensitive to the spirit to the point that what we intend to do, God wants to change. And if he does, we step aside and we let him do it. And we don't worry about the consequences. Well, if I don't preach, I got the elders and they'll have me, you know, they pay my, and the trustees. And, uh, but listen, New Testament church wasn't run by trustees. All of a sudden, we've, we, we've, we've kind of got this methodology of church now where we, we, we because of the laws and, and trustees and registered charity and, and gift aid and all that stuff, uh, somehow we think that the church now is run by, no, the, 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 that, that is wrong. They never gift aid in the New Testament. And I've seen churches that have been destroyed because they're run by unspiritual people, unanointed people, who are in positions of influence. And I'll tell you this now, in revival, when God shakes things up, they leave. They don't like it because they're not in control anymore. Oh, bring on revival. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that deacon there right now. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Come out of him. Anyway, so this. But when the Holy Spirit moves, you see, he shakes things up and things that we have in place and we think I've got this, that he will mess everything, every single structure up. Everything you know about church is dismantled. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I got fivefold gifts of mercy, apostle, prophet, but you get all that, you can have all, you know it all, I know it all. Yeah, we're, we're just in the, we're in the stream, we're relational. And, we're, you get, and God comes along and goes, whoop, and just messes it all up. And then you go, well, I don't know what we're doing now. <laughs> After a conference like this, you're supposed to know what you're doing, correct? I mean, you pay good money to come here. Right? And I, I'm just letting Mike know that. But seriously, because he wants to facilitate. And the reason why Mike asked me to come, and I thought, why has he asked me to go there? Because they're not going to like me up there. I don't fit in with those people. I'm, I'm mad. I, I'm, I'm nuts. I'm the, I, the only reason why I, I started the church is because I thought no other church would want me. So if I start my own, I can preach there. <laughs> why does he want, why is Mike with me? And then he was, then he was Skyping me. I, I don't Skype other people. He's, the only friend I've got on Skype is Mike. It's true. It's absolutely true. So my, I was on my iPad. And my wife said, who's that there? I asked Mike. It's my best. He's my mate. I Skype him, I do. Uh, he says, what? She says, what's Skype? I said, oh, it's this thing like, like, uh, like um, FaceTime. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he Skypes me and he asks me all these questions. Like, I, he's, he's deep like, you know what I mean? I don't get it. He's asking me questions about how this and how that, and he's, he's, he's doing this. And he's do I said, I don't understand it, love. I said, I'm going to this conference up there, all these leaders. I said, it's freaking me out. I said, I don't know what I'm going to say to them. Still don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> and she said, oh, just be yourself. I said, that's the problem. <laughs> if, I, 
If I just be myself, you know, you know what's going to happen, don't you? It's going to, it's going to get messy. I mean, I, I, I done a, a New Wine Conference last week and uh, the Elim Bible Week last week, and I'm going to Salt and Light next week. All I'm going around is messing with people's heads all the time. I says, this is not good. So, <laughs> and then, off to America in July. God help the Americans when I get over there. They're not going to know what's hit them, I'll tell you that. Anyway, so, and I, I said, look, it's a, and I realized something. Do you know why? Do you know what I saw in Mike Betts? I saw a man who's just hungry for a move of God. And when I see somebody that just wants God, and yes, we have to facilitate by putting conferences on to, to create an atmosphere and momentum so stuff like this can happen. I want to be there. I, I want to go there. Because I sense God is in that so much. And that's why I said you're on the edge of something. Because when you've got apostolic leaders around Mike as well. Some of you sat here. And I, I, I watch you. you don't, I'm, I, I watch you. I, I'll forgive you that you show your legs on the platform and all that. I'll forgive you of all that. <laughs> so ungodly. But the thing is. <laughs> especially those legs anyway. But, <laughs> I mean you're from Camden. The least you could have done is got them waxed. Oh, there's conviction all over him right now. I can see that. <laughs> and I said, why, 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 Lord? Why, why would so, have someone like me? I says, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a, you know, what did, what, why, what? Why? And I put it down to this. It's God. It's God. How can God take a heroin addict? From Flashly, everyone says Flashly. <laughs> Speaking in tongues, eh? You're baptized, look at the Holy Ghost. <laughs> From Flashly, I, I don't want to boast about me, I want to boast about God. But how, how can God take. I mean, I was in the public toilets in Flashly, 15 years of age, pushing a needle in my arm with heroin in my veins and getting off my face. I lived on the streets, I lived, I, I lived in London for a spell. I couldn't get used to the tube, so I went and went home. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I stand in places like this, looking at people like you, who are far more intelligent than me, except Steph. <laughs> you shouldn't sit on the front row, it's dangerous, you know, I don't know. And I think to myself, what on earth am I doing here? Some of you are probably thinking the same thing. Why on earth is he here? To be honest with you, sometimes I don't know. I go places and I say things and I think that was rubbish. I go away. I, I, someone calls me up and says, oh, we've had a revival in our church because you said this. I said, what? I, I, folks, I honestly don't know. I don't know. I, that's, I can't package it and give you like, I wish I could. You know, some preachers are really good. It, it, it really does my head in. They're amazing preachers. They're like, ah, da, da, and, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I wish I could preach like that. I remember going to America, and I'll share this as a part of the revival, so I'm come back to it. I remember going to the States for the first time years and years ago, and I went to a black Pentecostal church. And I, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. I'd never seen anything like it. Man, those guys knew how to praise. I mean, it was, it went mental. It was like all Leon Speed. 
and they were, they were praising God. And, you know, I know we say it's culture, and I know it's America. But I went to this church, and there was, I mean, I, I was like, yeah, getting my ting on. This is amazing. And I was the only white guy there. I loved it. I got him, I loved it. And I was like, whoa, this is church, man. The guy got up to give the note. This is. Don't put any compression on my mic right now, okay? Keep the compression off. Cheers, guys. This is, this is how the guy give the note. This is. Somebody! I'm sat on the front. I'm like, ah. I said, somebody left the lights on in the car park. I'm sat there. He says, we need some volunteers for the nursery. He's doing this. Camera, stay with me. Going a wide. Going a wide. Going a wide. Going a wide. He's doing this. And as he's giving the notices, there's women running around with big hats on, I guess. There's people running down the aisles putting money on the platform. I thought, what's all that about? So I like this church. It was nuts. Hats. You've never seen anything like, forget Ascot or Racing. You want to see them over there? They're huge. And they, they, they were praising God. Oh, am I, sat, am I stood on a fan there? Oh, I've had a cold thing go right up my trouser leg. <laughs> Honestly, I have. Do you know, I, I thought I'd done something then. I, I, no, seriously. No, I kid you not. There's a, I need to, no, I need to explain this. No, Sorry. I've just messed the whole tape up, the conference podcast. No, what it is, there's a fan thing on these floors with air conditioning. I've just stood on it and cold air just shot right up my trouser leg. Oh, I didn't even know it was there. I was like, glory, hallelujah. I felt the anointing on me. But it was powerful. Why am I telling you that? It's gone. It's just powerful. And, and, and why, why did I tell him that now? It was a reason for it. Yes. So I got asked to preach in one of these churches. It was a church, uh, New Testament Church of God of Prophecy in Christ. I mean, that's a big title for a church. Right? And I went there. Bishop Albert, he had me up there like, ah, he says, uh, are you all right? I went, yeah, he says, no, you know you're going to preach for at least two hours. I said, what? Two hours? I said, man, I, I, two hours, I'll have to give my testimony. i have to put four sermons in and appeal at the end. They get four. Can we, can we show a video for ten minutes as well? I said, no, you've got to preach. They want the word. So I just got into the spirit of things, as you do when you go to these churches. You've got to, you can't be, hello. Nice to see you all today. I know some of you do speak like that. You just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, no, that's the introverts. I know, I know, I know. Some of you are like, Steph, you're just introvert. You're just in love with your mug. They won't get that because you're the mug thing. I get it, you know, but, uh, you know, you're not as introvert as you think you are. For a guy to stand up here in those shorts, mate, you are extrovert. Believe me, you, mate. <laughs> right, enough of that now. So I got up and I, 
And I don't know why, what happened to me. Something happened to me. The whole the anointing of God came on me because you see the people were drawing it from me. And in revival, let me tell you some what happens in revival as well. You know the people, they, they, they pull it from you. You, you. you don't need to, it ain't a struggle to preach in them places. Because they're hungry, they, they come thirsty. In our churches, we've got to work you up, bring you in. Let's, let's, let's start off with a couple of praise ones, get them all loud and get them all happy. We should go to church being happy. In fact, we should have that song. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like happiness is... I I can't believe I've just done that. I'm off my nut. We should come. Why? Because the Bible says, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us go. We go joyfully. I was glad. It doesn't say I was sad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We're going, I'm at the church. Like a big black 300 pound King James Bible. Off the church, yeah. Should come to my church. For... Should come to my church. So full of joy. You'd love it, you would. We're really excited people. It ain't a good advert for Christianity, is it? It isn't, is it? I mean, we're going to have joy. Listen, you want revival? You, you, oh, by the way, in revival, there is lots of joy. I mean, I mean, no, no, loads of joy. Like belly laughing joy. Like, like nutty joy. Like you just don't know what, like in a restaurant kind of thing. And you start belly laughing in a restaurant. And there's people looking at you as if you've gone off your train. Holy Ghost. I was in a lift in a hotel. I just, one of the hotels done by us. Uh, when the revival was on, I, I was in, in a lift and I don't, know why, I don't know why I did it. The Holy Ghost just came on me in a the lift. There was about eight people in the lift. And I stood in that lift and I could feel the anointing just bubbling up like a hoo hallelujah. You know, you know when you just do that, hoo you, 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 Some of you don't express it, but it, it, it's in there. You just go, hoo you, you, you know it's about to go somewhere. Now, it, it's okay if that's in church. You can go here. Hey, hallelujah, glory. You can do that. Or if, or if you're one of those. You know, whatever you do. <laughs> you can do that. But when you're in an elevator with eight people. And they don't know nothing about God. And you get a whoo moment. Whoo. And I, 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 what happens to me is I start going like this with my legs. You see and I thought this is going to go somewhere now and I, I, I kid you not when on the 10th going down to the second floor and I let out this scream glory hallelujah I had to let it go I had to let it out it had to go somewhere you know what I'm saying I just thought I don't care who's in this lift right now glory and I, it went out well, well we got to the 8th floor the door opened and everybody left the lift <laughs> And I was like, like so I had to lift to my side. And you know, you, when, 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 when it's on you, it's on you. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't need a textbook, do you? You know, you know the presence of God. It's there. And it's full of those things. That's why a life with the Spirit is so enjoyable. Because it ain't just one thing. It ain't just a, you know, oh, a glory moment. It's, it's joy, it's laughter, it's reverence. It's the whole thing together. And somehow, there's so many oxymorons with the glory of God because it's so reverential, yet it's so liberating. It's so free. It's so free. Have we turned to the scripture yet? That one there in Chronicles. If my people, 
humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and I'll hear from heaven. And we're talking about healing. Broken world. There's a couple of things there, some requirements that God has in any revival. Humility is the biggest one. Biggest one of all. I'm not talking about false humility. I've seen some people, oh, you know, they think humility is being quiet. No, that's not being humble. They think humility is not saying anything at all. That's not humility. Humility is when you recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is true humility. When you realize there is one Lord, there is one God, and besides Him, there is no other. All right, son. God bless you. You coming to the Lord? I haven't given the altar call yet. Don't mess with my process. <laughs> Where are you from? The Netherlands. Is, uh, is, is, this, is this how you speak if, in, in thing? Praise the her? Praise the Lord? How do you say it? That's what I just said. Praise the her. I did say it. I know a little bit of Netherlands. Is that the country where you, you ride bikes on, next to canals? I've never been there. I've been to Amsterdam and smoked a lot of pot. Well, I, not, not since I've been a pastor, but, but before I was a vicar, you know. And the glory of God falls. And in different, in different contexts as well, you think of your context, right? You, you know, you might be a middle class church, right? You might be what I call a posh church. Can I just say, there's nothing wrong in having a posh church. I wish I had a posh church because we're always skint. But we're not in a posh area. We live in Cumbran. That translates Valley of Crows. I mean, it does. It does. That's the Welsh translation. You know, I wish you would say something like Heavenly Dove or something, but it just doesn't. And I go and preach to these posh churches. I, was, I went to a Baptist church a few months ago, and I got up and I spoke on Leviticus. I spoke on Leviticus 17, that the, the, the life is in the blood, and I connected it to the Lamb of God, and I talked about the expiation of sins as well as, and I thought, I'll do a little bit of theology, because yeah, it's a Baptist church, and I thought, it's all right, I'll, I'll have a go at this. So I had a go, so I went on Google, I found a sermon, and, I, and what I did was, <laughs> so I thought, I'll have a go at this. So I had a go, and I preached this, ex, I was doing expository preaching. Marvelous it was. I felt, I, 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 felt, I felt really good. I, felt, I wore a suit as well, you know. And this gentleman came up to me at the end. Very well-spoken gentleman. That's very smart. Must have been in his 70s, half-cut glasses. He had a blue jacket on, a white, uh, you know, paisley tie. And he wore those trousers. Probably, uh, I think they're called Farah. They're kind of itchy ones. They create electricity when you walk. Do you know the ones I'm on about? Mark, Max and Spencer's. And, uh, ks, ks, ks. and he, he um, it's true. Some of these jokes I'm translating to some of the cultures. You know, I get that. They just, just let it go over your head. Thing. I don't know. He's off his nut. And he came up to me, and he had I don't know why he did it. I don't know. He had three pieces of hair left on his head, and he'd stuck them down across his head like this, just three pieces, and they were brill cream down like that. Now I don't understand that because I, I, you know, because when I talk to people, if I, I just say it to their faces, not being their backs, because I saw I, I saw I saw I get into trouble, and 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 I, 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 you know, you're talking to someone, you don't want to stare at a particular feature, but you can't help it, you know, and he's talking to me, and I'm going, yeah, I, I, I don't know why he did 
just didn't admit defeat and shave it off. Because it's fashionable now to be bald, isn't it? Everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. Adrian should be doing it. He's, he's not done it for a while, I can tell. He's trying to grow it back. Are you using that special cream? No, he's not. It's just he's trying to grow it back, see. But, but he came up to me, and he was very well-spoken. And this is what he said to me. He says, oh, he says, young man, he says, that was one of the finest, ex- it was a posh church, that was one of the finest expositions. And I wish I could talk like that. I can't do it. I tried once to put it on for a while, and it just didn't work like And he said, it's the finest exposition of the book of Leviticus I've heard in some time. Now, where was it you studied? Was it Oxford or Cambridge? So I'm like, I don't know. I looked at him like a Swansea prison. <laughs> True. His face went white. And he went, he went, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> But where you are, your culture, whether you're in a middle class church, whether you're a working class church, in a community, if you're in a city, if you're in a town, a village, listen, the glory of God is not restricted to city churches, to big churches, to big ministries, small churches. What we think is insignificant, don't see yourself and your church as a grasshopper. You are not. For you are great in the kingdom of God. And God is worthy to be praised. And he will have his way. And his glory will have its way. And when we allow his glory to come into our lives and in our church, it will change things. The landscape changes. You'll come to an edge and you look and think, wow, now come on God, what are we going to do? This is exciting. I want you to go back from this conference being stirred, being excited. Your faith has been raised. Some of you have been made to feel uncomfortable. You're thinking, you know what? He, he got on my nerves, but he, you know, he, he's right. I know I am. So he's, <laughs> we've just got to go and do it. We've got to get the passion for God again. We've got to get out there and make a difference in our nation, in our towns and in our cities. Just do it. Right, open up your Bibles. I'm coming to the message now. That was just an introduction. You know the scripture, I did tell you, um, I, you know, I can only listen for 25 minutes, but I can preach for a lot longer. So I just, I just want to give you some things, because I know some of you, you are note takers. I've, I've seen you, you like to, and, and that's good. I, I, I'm useless at that kind of stuff. So I just want to give you a couple of things that the Lord gave me about revival from Second Chronicles 7.14. There is no method of revival. If there was a method, we all would have bought into it by now, we'd be doing it. Yes? Of course we would. That's why we go to these, you know, how do we do it? How do we get it? But I've learned a couple of things. First thing is this. Real revival demands real requirements. A real revival demands real requirements. If we look at this passage in Chronicles, it, it gives us the call to preparation, which is humility. That is a requirement. It's a call to preparation. There is a period of preparation that we have to humble ourselves. Humility takes the place and seat that it is no better than anyone else. And maybe somewhere in our fabric of our churches, we have assumed a position of righteousness that is not ours, and then we look down on those who are unrighteous, and it's not our place to do that, and because humility takes the seat of we are, we are all the same. The sin that is equally loved as the saint. Because before you came to Christ, God loved you while you were a sinner. And the understanding that God loves them as much as he loves us is very important in your thinking in your church. Because if we at any moment shift that thinking and think somehow, well, 
I'm saved. I'm a Christian. My name's in the Lamb's book of life. So surely God loves me that little bit more because I'm one of his. Don't do that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He didn't just give his son for saints. He gave him for sinners. He didn't come for saints. He came for sinners. We preach it. We teach it. But do we actually practice it? Model it in our lives. In our psychology. In our understanding. When we do church. Very important. The place of preparation is the place of humility. These are some of the real requirements when it comes to revival. As part of that, those demands, there is a call to prayer. There is a call to prayer, humility and prayer. You've heard this passage preached, I'm, I'm sure, many times before. But the word pray you, in essence, it means humility in action. Because that's what prayer does. You see, because humility will drive you to the place of prayer. Because you're so humbled by his greatness and your worthlessness that you are brought to your knees in prayer. And the very focus of God and his spirit doesn't become the church. It becomes those outside of the church. The focus of the church is not about us and our leadership and our structure and our buildings and our finances. Those things are important, but they do not become the main thing. The main thing is always outside of the church. Those who are lost. Started our church four years ago. And as you know, we have multiple churches now. But we started four years ago. Our DNA of our church is this. It's threefold. Passion for the Savior, love for Scripture, rescuing the sinner. And everything that we do as a church is, is, is modeled around that. 80%, 80% of our expenditure goes to mission and church planting. 20% goes to admin and management. I've been to churches, sadly, that are not experienced growth. God is, they're not, because they're spending 80%. On management and admin and 20% on mission and church planting. Just something I've seen. And that shift for us, because we started with that. You see, when I started the church, I didn't need to take a salary from my church. So all our finances went into the mission. So we were very blessed, we were very fortunate able to do that. And that's, that trend still continues today, four years in. But understanding that... Prayer, and I said this to you the week that as a church, we've never had a prayer meeting. And some of you were like, oh, hang on a minute, we're all about prayer, aren't we? We've never had a prayer meeting. I explained to you why, because of our teaching about us being a people of prayer. But I will say this. There have been hundreds and hundreds of years of prayers lifted for revival in Wales by generations before. So I guess we were the recipients of the prayers of the faithful from generations, not just from our own country, from around the world who prayed for us. So prayer plays an integral part in it, but humility will take us to that place of prayer. So there are certain requirements. The other requirement is a, 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 call, to, a call to passion or devotion. It talks about seeking his face. Seeking his face. How often do we seek God? How often do we seek, I mean, I mean properly seek God? Not his hand, his face. A call to purity, repentance. The second real revival produces things like it produces real rewards as well, revival. You will hear from heaven. Let me ask you this question as a leader. When's the last time you heard the voice of God? 
Not I got a feeling. I think the Lord is saying. The scripture says. When's the last time you heard the voice of God? This is not to make you feel bad. Although if it does, you might do something about it. But it's a more poignant question. When's the last time you heard the voice of God? Not, not, not your... Because God speaks to our conscience. Yeah. When's the last time you heard God's voice speak to you? Yeah, but his voice comes, you know, through the scripture. I, I know it does. When did, you, when did you hear him last? If it's been a while, you need to seek him. You need to seek him. You need to seek God until you hear his voice. And you don't give up. Oh, well, you know, no, because we wrestle we, we, with God until we hear from God, until God speaks. God, I'm not going from you until you speak to me. When's the last time you heard from God? Seeking God is a massive prerequisite. And it's one of the rewards as well, because we get to hear from God. Revival always, always yields results. When I think of what we experienced, I'm trying to go through that. Tell me what, what we experienced with the, the fruit of it, the greatest fruit of all was salvation of men and women, boys and girls. I watched eight, nine, ten-year-old boys and girls at the front, surrendering their life to Jesus, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, putting their hands up in the air without being taught it, without ever being to a church before, worshipping Jesus at the front of the church. And I'm sitting by this time, because it's a five-hour meeting, I'm probably sat somewhere on the platform thinking, God, this is amazing. How... I can't preach this. I can't get this to happen. This is you. This is your presence doing this. And we talk about the presence, you know. I'm going to go down here, okay? We talk about the presence. And actually, it's not complicated, you know. It's very simple, really. Because Jesus made it simple. But because our minds are so cluttered with things, and the weight of the world and worldliness and all that stuff, we, we can't... We can't sometimes divorce from that and come into this because we have to go through a process. I remember years ago there was teaching on worship, David's tabernacle. Do you remember that? There was some teaching that used to go around years ago on worship that you have to come into the inner courts. And then you have to go to the table of showbread for fellowship. And then you have to go to the lava, washing of the water of the word. And it was all typology and it was lovely. But it was a lot of rubbish. The curtain has been torn. We can come boldly into the presence of God to find help in the time of need. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't need to. I, I, when, I, when I rolled out of bed this morning, I was in the presence of God. I didn't have to come here to get into the presence of God. I is already in the presence of God. Because the presence of God is in me. That's how I understand it. No, I'm going to mess up a lot with your songs now. Not yours, Ollie, but other people's songs. Come Holy Spirit, and we sing it, don't we, right? I've sung it, you've sung it. We welcome you here, we do this, and, and I understand all that, but actually, what if we just believe that he already is? Well, just, just a thought, huh? I'm fire now, don't clap, take my time, I'm really finished. I see you getting tired, I, I want to honor that, make sure you, you know, not get too tired. So you're going to take an offering for me in a minute, I'll get you happy. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I don't, don't want anyone. Oh, you're fine. I came for the sun, it's lovely. And Norwich is a lovely place to come from. Isn't it? It is. <laughs> just imagine if revival is in your heart and we all came and just believe that it's here now. That's one of the things actually is coming to me now as I'm speaking. 
Do you know what happened to us? Is we just believed it was here now. We weren't looking for it. We believed it was here. I know it was a miracle that took place, and we've got a video which I'm not going to show, but the guys found it the night that Paul got the wheelchair and ran around. You've got the video up there. It's five minutes. You can check it out. It's on YouTube. And this was the amazing thing, that we actually believe that it is here now. Because what are we waiting for? If we're waiting for a revival, right, what, what do you mean? What, what are you waiting for then? Are you waiting for angels to turn up on Harley-Davidson's? Like, what, what, are you, what is your expectation of revival? Revival is when God is here now. And my Bible tells me that we're temples of the Holy Ghost and God is here now. And what we've got to... We, I said earlier... I get frustrated at myself. I, I wish I was intelligent enough to vocabulary the right stuff. In you, the, the anointing that you have inside of you. We just need to release what we already have been given. Don't wait for a revival before you lay hands on people to be healed. Do it. Oh, I'm in a Bible college. Do it. I've got to read this book, yeah, 13 steps on divine. Do it! Best part of theology you will ever have, and young people, listen to me now. When it comes to God, just do what he says. Just do it. The Bible says do it, just do it. There's a Latin word for that. Do you know what it is? Didn't you study? Just do it! And don't allow, listen to me, this is very important. I'm going to finish with this now. And I, I, if you're writing stuff down, you're probably writing nothing down. It just tweet, he's mental, but it's good fun. <laughs> Never allow anybody, because <laughs> the devil loves this, to put the fire out inside of you. Don't let them do I've had them all. I've, I've had them firefighters. I tell you, ooh, uh, t- don't let them do it. You have to guard your heart. You have to make sure you don't let negativity, you don't let your critics. There has never been a statue erected to a critic yet. Don't allow them to live in your mind rent free. That's worth a tweet. Because, listen to me, what you have is holy. It's the fire of God in your heart. And don't, and I know some of you don't feel like it. You get up and say, oh, I'm not feeling very holy today. It's all right, you still are. Because it ain't you. Let that, that fight. Don't let anybody put it out. I, 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 listen to me. I, I've been, I got saved when I was 18. I'm 39 now. And one bit of advice a, a pastor gave me years ago. I was 19 years of age. I was, all, I was trying to go to Bible school. He said to me, Richard, whatever you do, don't let anybody... Put the fire out or the passion you have for God. Don't let, and do you know what I've done all that time? All I've done, seriously, I've guarded that word with all my heart. I won't let anybody put the fire out. Never, never. And some of you have had it, you've, you know, you're enthusiastic, you're for God, and somebody says something. You, You should adopt what I call the shove off ministries. Shove off. Oi, I haven't got time to listen to your garbage because there's a world that needs Jesus. I'm on fire for God and I just want to get out there and do it. I ain't got time to argue with over you over the theological end times of the rapture, the pre-trib, post-trib, rupture, whatever you want to call it. 
I ain't got time to discuss. Listen, there's a world going to hell without Jesus. I ain't got time to sit down with you and drink tea and eat rich tea biscuits and discuss the church down the road. I've got better things to do with my time. Oh, but you know, you know, in our town, you know, that church over there, they're doing this, they're never dead. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. shut up. <laughs> Stop it. The Bible talks about birds of the end scriptures. Like, 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 that's what Satan does. He steals the seed of the word, like birds, yes? Some of you are looking at the birds and not the fruit. And you're listening to the birds all the time. Tweet in. Instead of listening and looking at the fruit, look at what the Lord has done. Look around you today. From a movement that was started by a man called Terry Virgo, which now apostolically is around the world in so many nations, and now there are apostolic leaders leading each of those spheres, look at what the Lord has done. Look at what he has done. It is a marvelous in our eyes. But we can lose that sometimes in the narrowness and the smallness of where we're serving. Don't lose that. An old Pentecostal song, I know if you know it, count your blessings one by one. I'm claiming it as a Pentecostal one way. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Always remember the good things that God does. My God is good. I should be dead and I'm alive. I mean, I, I, God is good even if I never preach in my life again. The fact that I got up, I'm alive and I'm not dead because of heroin is fantastic. It is. <laughs> even, even if, even if I had no money and I was skint and I was living in a bed sit, listen, I, I, don't, I, I was when I first got, I don't care because I'm happy. Blessed is the man. That word means happy. I am happy. We need more happy Christians in the church. No, we do. We used to sing another song. Smile a while and give your face a rest. <laughs> Lift your hands to the one you love the best. Didn't you ever sing that in your church? You can see why I messed up, can't you, with all these songs we used to sing in our church. <laughs> happy. Now, not everything in our life is, is going to, you know, but see, this will all pass away. <laughs> this is all going to go. Just... Just enjoy yourself, man. Uh, Spirit of the Lord. I'm monastic. I have to go deep. Deep. And then I come out of the deep and I'm happy. I got joy. I met a guy like that once and I says, mate, I says, Where, where's your joy? You're a Christian. I, I just asked him. He was a leader. He was a leader as well. I said, where's your joy? He said, oh, it's deep. And I looked at him, I thought, deep. I said, it's so blooming deep, you can't find it, man. <laughs> Tell your face, man. Because you know, you know the greatest testimony you have is the fact that you can be going through the worst tragedy, humanly speaking, in your life, and you can still do this. Somehow. That's what makes us as Christians, so a relationship with God, so unique, that in the midst of depression, losing your children... Going through painful experiences, deep down, you can still have joy. That doesn't make no human sense whatsoever. You can still come to church and you can still thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, glory. I love you, Lord. I praise you. Thank you for all you're doing in my life. And yet you can be going through hell. How can you do that? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen.
So what have I said then in rounding up? <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning, shall we? I've said a lot, to be honest with you. And I've said enough. It's quarter past 12. We've got to be out here by 12.30. I'm not going to hand back to you because not with them legs, I told you. You see, ungodly. All I do want to do is this. I am not super anointed. I am just Richard. I just, I am what I am. I, I love Mike. I've got to know him through Skype. He's a friend, and I hold him in high regard. I still don't know why I go, why people invite me to speak. I haven't, probably because I'm cheap. I haven't got a clue. Or I haven't got else to go. I just don't know. I don't know why people do it. Because I, 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 honestly, and I don't want you to come up to me and make me feel better. You know people are like, oh yeah, but you're great, Rich. No, don't do that, or God will kill your goldfish. <laughs> well, just pray for me instead. Because I don't want my ego being elevated. You know what I'm saying? You know, preacher leaves, oh, you're, you're, you're amazing, mate, you're amazing, uh, amazing. Time you get there, your head's like, oh, I'm amazing, I am, I'm amazing. <laughs> so so don't, don't do that. I don't, I, I'm secure, right? When I'm saying this, I'm secure. Right? I am secure. Don't worry. When I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. That's enough for me. Right? So I'm all right. But it's kind of like, I, I, just, don't, I just don't get it. I, I, but I'm going to finish in. Let's all stand. Should we on our hands? Let's all stand. Then. What, I, what I do want to do, um, uh, Mike, the Lord spoke to me. Because the Lord said, you might never get invited back there ever again after what you say you're going to say. So I said, all right, Lord. He said, so just pray for them. It's a hit and run job. So just pray for them. <laughs> Those who want to receive. And this is what the Lord said to me. He spoke to me about Elisha and Elijah. How Elijah left the, gave his mantle to Elisha and he took it and went did more. I had this this morning before I came back to the hotel. And I felt that God was wanting me to bring a mantle from Wales, from the revival. I, I, this kind of speak you now is uncomfortable for me. I don't get it, all right? Because I didn't even believe in impartation until the revival started. I, 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 I thought impartation was a load of nonsense. I used to preach it. Oh, it's a little nonsense. You've got your own anointing. You're doing impartation. I, I did teaching on it. And then God changed my theology. I thought, oh, you can't get an impartation. So now every preacher I ever see who's got an anointing, I grab his head and I put it on my head. Like, oh, pray for me, pray for me. More. Well, you, you, you might get something. You know what I mean? Well, hallelujah. So, so this is what the Lord said to me. He said, I want you to, to release a mantle, the anointing of revival, the, the, the heart, the, the, the heat. I think you mentioned the baton, the... It's hard to explain. The, at the very base of any fire, there, there is that, there's that glow where it's the hottest point. I want you to release that on this movement of people for them to receive it. And if they receive it and believe it, then they will start to see the results of the revival. Because God wants to do far more in your congregations than he ever did in our church. Far more, far more. Look, I mean, look at the size of the, the churches gathered you in the sense of leaders and the impact and the influence you will have. I consider this to be one of the most influential conferences that I've spoken at this year. And I've spoken at quite a few good ones and to come. But I, this is significant for me here. I don't know why, it just is. That's all I can say for now. I want to pray for you. Now, I don't know what time we've got until. So, 12.30 I gather. So, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pray for everybody. But I will pray for as many people as I can personally. I want to lay hands on you. I want to pray for you. If you allow me to do it. just want to pray. A very quick prayer. I don't want to... Stand over you and, and, and you know, uh, yeah, I, I, it's not a counseling. I don't, you, it's not, you're not coming up for counseling. 
Oh, just before you pray, now, Rich, what it is, right? 17 years ago, I had a cat and a dog. And a... No, no, just let me pray for you, okay? Now, this is not what this is, all right? Oh, grab your hand. No, can I pray for you, Rich? No, no, right now, I'm praying for you. If I want you to pray for me, I'll ask you. I'm all right, okay? If I die, I go to heaven and be with Jesus. I'm okay. So I want to pray for you. So an impartation. I'm going to ask Ollie and the guys to come back and to uh, play in the key of G. Oh, stay where you are, guys. No, come on up. I'm messing with you. I don't trust you behind me. I don't trust you, mate. I tell you now. Oli, Oli, Oli. Anyway, so. Oh, yeah, 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 no. I, I want to start a time of ministry. I know there's, there's, there's pastors and elders. That, well, you, you all are. What am I on about? Oh, it's, there's all sorts of people here. Anyway, um, so. Uh, uh, Mike, I need help now. Uh, you want me to do it? All right, okay. Okay. So, this could get very messy now. No, I want to pray for people. Simple as that. We're going to sing a worship song. Um, one that doesn't talk about asking the Spirit to come because he's already here. <laughs> and, uh, and as we do, So go around to each section and pray with people rather than a stampede. We don't want a stampede, do we? Because we could have a revival if we have a stampede. (laughs) It's okay. He's just thinking of the process. I understand that. I understand that. You know, health and safety and all that is important. If health and safety had been around during Noah's day, the ark would never have been built, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you that now. And you know the story, don't you? The ark was built by amateurs. Titanic was built by professionals. And you know what happened. Hi. <laughs> okay. So we're going to sing Pharrell's song, because I'm happy. No, I'm messing with you. We're gonna, we're gonna, let's just, can we just focus on Jesus? That's what we want to do, don't we? It's all about him. It's not about me, you. It's about him. The close of this conference, the start of this conference, we began with him. The end of this conference, our focus is still going to be him. Lord, take away everything that that has distracted the good seed of your word that's in our hearts. Things that would produce a fruit in our lives. Would you take that away? Help us to take, as, as we've heard before, the grace gift that is on each of the speakers that have spoken at this conference. And for us to receive that grace gift that we have heard, that is empowered, encouraged, challenged, shaped our thinking so that we can fulfill the call upon our lives where you've called us to serve in our allotted fields. We don't have all the answers, but we look to one who does. And I pray for an impartation, Lord, of revival fire to burn in your people. Lord, this will become a, a movement marked by revival. Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you come? That we, we, We're not asking you to come because you're not here. You are here. You are in us. Greater is he that is in us. Help us to understand, to release the anointing, to release our anointing, Lord, where it is you call us to minister. And as we worship you now, Jesus, and make you the, 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 the whole center of everything that we are and do, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a work through us in Jesus' name. Let's just worship, guys. Thank you.